listeners, welcome to a bonus episode of Times Will Tell. I'm Amanda Borchel Dan, bringing you an archaeology story of an item that, if verified, may be one of the top discoveries of the century. On Thursday, March 24th, Scott Stripling held a press conference in Houston, Texas, unveiling what he claims is the earliest proto-alphabetic Hebrew text discovered in ancient Israel. He claims he has discovered a two centimeter by two centimeter tiny folded lead cursed tablet or defixio that he dates to the late Bronze Age before or around 1200 BCE. If this dating is verified, it would make the text centuries older than the previous record holder. But there are some challenges, of course. It was discovered outside of stratifical context in 2019 while his team was re-examining a dump pile from 1980s excavations at Mount Ival that were held then under Professor Adam Zertal. The earth had been dry-sifted then, and in 2019, Stripling's team re-sifted it in a wet-sifting technique that was developed at the Temple Mount Sifting Project where Stripling once worked. But in the course of these examinations, of course, the historical layers were all mixed up. The folded interior of the tablet underwent high-tech scans recently in a lab in Prague at the Academy of Sciences of the Czech Republic. The dating of the tiny tablet is mostly based on epigraphical analysis of these scans, along with analysis of the lead and potential ancient sources for it. The scans were read by a few apographers, including Haifa University professor Gershon Galil, and Stripling says it holds 40 proto-Hebrew letters. The reading includes the words Arur, cursed, and yud heh vav which is an anacronym for God. If verified, this could be the earliest mention of God in the borders of ancient Israel. The problem is, Stripling has not released images, and the tablet has not been published in a peer-reviewed journal, so the academic community still has to weigh in. But in the meantime, you can hear what Stripling has to say about it here. Hi, Scott. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Please tell me about this new discovery. But first of all, I would like to know, why are you publishing it now? Hi, Amanda. Good morning from uh, Texas, and good afternoon or good evening in Israel. Um, You and I talked about this um, over two years ago. We uh, did the project um, on uh, Manival, what we call the Manival Dump Salvage. And then we did a make, it was one of the first podcasts I think that you were doing and we talked about it. And now since December, 2019, a lot has happened. Uh, The world turned upside down and is now apparently turning back again. Um, We were not able to do the scientific testing for a while because I couldn't get back into Israel and I didn't have access to, you know, the things that I needed. Uh, but I was able to get in a few months ago and uh, get our folded lead tablet that we had uh, recovered, uh, get it to Prague to be tested. Um, actually, a good friend of mine, Zwie Konisberg, was kind enough to courier it uh, back and forth to Prague. And um, we have now completed uh, testing on the lead Uh, epigraphic analysis, paleographic epigraphic analysis. So we do have an inscription and we have been able to recover it using tomographic scanning and we can see the inside of the tablet and the outside of the tablet. So uh, we are nearing completion of an academic article uh, on this, which will be out uh, hopefully in this summer. And so we are at the point now that we were ready to go public with a press conference and um, let everybody know the exciting news of what we found. 
Okay, there have been rumors about this amulet for, you know, a very long time and several outlets have already pub published preview articles about it. I guess my question is, why are you publishing now before the academic article is, is going out in which uh, we can get more expert opinion from different people outside the research? Ah, right. Well, we will do both. Um, this this is stage one. Um, often what happens in academia is that when these idea new findings, for example, um, are coming out, other people can publish your work without your um, awareness and knowledge and permission. And so this is um, often what we do to get out in front of something, to make an announcement where it's clear who the, who the collaborators are, what we're doing, what the findings are, and what's coming down the pike. Okay, so let's roll it back a little bit, because that is the burning question, obviously, why now? So what is, is the next burning question? And we're talking about a defixio, a cursed tablet that is two centimeters by two centimeters, folded lead, that you have dated, somewhat controversially as well, also to the late Bronze Era. So first of all, let's talk about the dating, which is a big red flag for anyone, obviously. So how are you dating it with any kind of certainty to begin with? Well, I, I smile when you said with the controversy, there's always controversy, of course, in archaeology, but we haven't even released it yet. And now there's already a uh, controversy. Some, someone said yesterday, well, this is, this is clearly a fake. I said, you haven't even seen it yet. <laughs> how can you declare it a fake? Because they read about it on eBay and bought a copy and I was dumb. Just kidding, kidding, kidding. Well, I wish I was smart enough to be able to uh, write in an ancient Hebrew, Hebrew script on the inside of this folded lead tablet. Um, I, I guess you're asking, how, do we, how did we arrive at this date uh, of the late Bronx uh, too? So <clears throat> a couple of ways. As we begin to see letters, the first one we saw was an Aleph. Um, and it was the very ancient form of the Aleph, which is an ox head. And that's what we would call, some call it a proto-Canaanite, I would call it a proto-alphabetic letter. It's before Paleo-Hebrew. And there are many parallels for this. And then we saw more Alephs, and they were all of the same style. And then we begin to see Reshes, um, also in a very ancient uh, style. So all in all, Amanda, we recovered 40 letters, 40 um, on the inside and outside of the tablet, and they were all in this proto-alphabetic script, which dates to that, uh, to the late Bronze Age. So based on the script, you're dating the item? Is that how you're saying? Okay. Right. So th that's where the epigraphers come in. And so the epigraphers in my collaboration are uh, Gershon Galil, who's an Israeli from Haifa University, and Peter Vanderveen, who is a German and also did his PhD in epigraphic studies. And so uh, working together with them, it, it, it was obvious from the beginning that this was very ancient. But we, of course, we had to be very careful and go through the whole process. But in the end, there's no other way. It doesn't fit in any other time period. Secondly, to reinforce that, or maybe two other things to reinforce that, um, we were able to test the lead. And Professor Naama Yahalomak uh, from Hebrew University did the testing on the lead. And the source of the lead was from Greece and from a part of Greece the mines are known there from this, and this is, of course, what the experts go from. And um, the was used in various time periods, including the Late Bronze II period. So other lead is known from there during the Late Bronze II period. 
So when you take the epigraphic analysis plus the lead analysis, and then the archaeological context of what Adam Zertal excavated uh, at Manival, um, you have, it was a late bronze site, um, an LB2 site. So archaeological context, analysis of the lead, and epigraphic analysis would be how we arrived at the date. We'll take a short break now. Shalom, dear listeners. This is Daniil Hartman. And I'm Yossi Klein Halevi. Together we host the podcast For Heaven's Sake from the Shalom Hartman Institute. These have been some of the most challenging days for me personally, for Israel, and for the Jewish people. And one of the ways in which I've gotten through this is that I found solace and meaning through discussions with my dear friend and study partner, Daniil Hartman. And I hope that the Times of Israel listeners will join us as we continue to tackle the pressing questions facing the Jewish people here at For Heaven's Sake, which has become the number one Judaism podcast. Well, Daniil, I'd also like to recommend the Identity Crisis podcast hosted by our colleague and friend Yehuda Kurtzer. It's a series of fantastic conversations with leading figures in Jewish life, thought, and culture. You know, for decades, the Hartman Institute has been a preeminent destination for Jewish ideas and learning. Now you can access Hartman Ideas on these chart-topping podcasts at shalomhartman.org forward slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll privileged to help guide you through these challenging and even unsettling times. And we're back. Okay, now the archaeological context is so much problematic because you're not actually taking it out of the earth, meaning digging it out of the earth. You're taking it out of the earth, but you're not digging it up yourself. Instead, explain for our listeners how and in what kind of uh, context or mound you found this particular item. We wet-sifted about 30% of uh, Adam Professor Zertal's, the late Professor Zertal's dumps um, there were two large dumps, one on the east and one on the west, like all digs, of course, after they examine material, then they, they have a, a dump pile. And then there was a, a third central uh, dump. We knew from his notes that the material from the what he believed were altars, um, I think most people have accepted that now, uh, a large rectangular altar with a smaller round altar at the perfect geometric center of it that it was covering, that material went into the east dump. And um, so we kept track of we were wet sifting was the material from the east or the west dump. This came from the east dump. And as you said, it was a small two by two centimeter folded lead tablet. As soon as I saw it, I knew what it was because these are known. Um, I mean, my heart almost jumped out of my chest. Um, these are more commonly known um, in the late Hellenistic uh, period. Okay. And, but the thing is that Zertal didn't publish any material from early Roman and late Hellenistic. It was all late bronze and iron one uh, material. Can you remind our listeners what years we're talking about in terms of uh, actual numbers instead of eras? Yes, I'm sorry. Um, generally, we, when we talk about late bronze two, we're talking about 1400 to 1200 B.C., and uh, Iron Age one from about 1200 to 1000 BC in round terms. And the Hellenistic period, as opposed to that is? Okay, so 3rd century, 2nd century BC, 3rd, 2nd century BC. Um, and there, So many of them are known from that period. That didn't, of course, mean that they did not exist uh, earlier, because there are 
archaic examples of them. But that was my immediate quandary was like, okay, I know these, these are common in the late Hellenistic period, but the archaeological context is not Hellenistic at all or early Roman as far as that goes. And so uh, it wasn't until we began to see the, the script that predated Paleo-Hebrew script. And so you're talking about older than the Kayafa Astrakhan. You're talking about hundreds of years older than, than previous, previously known uh, Hebrew script. Uh, so there's no way that that could have been written in the Hellenistic period a thousand years later. Unless they're doing some kind of throwback uh, Thursday uh, effort script. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, all things are possible. But, uh, you know, it would be like me trying to write Old English or something like that. You know, it's just a very different ballgame. Okay. Now, you have released very few images, uh, so far at least, and it's very difficult to get a sense of what is actually written inside until we actually see the images. You have released a photograph of the outside of the amulet, which I can't see anything because I'm not trained in anything, basically. (laughs) And we have nothing from the inside. What have you seen in terms of what has been recovered from the still-folded amulet. It's not as if you've unfolded it. You're having scans from the inside, which is technology we know about from other uh, things such as the Engedi, uh, what is it, a mezuzah from Engedi? Remind me? Yes. So what have you seen with your own eyes? What are you seeing? So um, we, it was astounding when we began to see these letters uh, because we were looking at them independently, uh, Peter Gershon and I, and um, we were just astounded because we were seeing the same things. Uh, 40 Hebrew letters, um, 11 of them are Alephs. And of course, Aleph is the first letter in the Hebrew word Arur, which means to curse. And Mount Ival is famous, of course, because in the Bible, this was the mountain of the curse. They pronounced blessings from Mount Gerizim, curses from Mount Ival. In Joshua, Joshua 8.30, he built an altar on Mount Ival. So the idea that you had a cursed tablet, um, before we even begin to recover text, in my perfect world, in my mind, you know, people are saying, well, what would you want the, want it to say? I would say, well, you know, a curse from Manival, of course, would be so amazing. And indeed, that's what we had. So the first word that we could clearly see was Arur. And uh, so you have the word curse appears multiple times, and um, you even have the name Yahweh. Um, that appears twice. And this is mind-boggling, phenomenal, <laughs> because found in Israel in this early time period, this this forces a rethinking of early Israelite presence and, you know, when were the scriptures written? You know, was there the, the literacy abilities and, and things like this? And, um, you know, when we release the full text, um, scholars can have at it and decide, you know, decipher. Maybe they read it differently than we did, but we're reading it as a formulaic uh, curse, as sort of a self-imprecatory curse, if you will, which is how covenants were made in the late Bronze Age. So the point four of a covenant in the late Bronze Age was a self-binding curse. So if I keep the terms of the covenant, these blessings will come upon me. If I don't, these curses will come upon me. So very consistent with what we read in the biblical text. I'm sure you've shown this to several people by now, uh, even outside of your circle. What Have you had any blowback at all from anyone who is at all expert in the field? 
Uh, no, but I guess the blowback can begin now that we are releasing some of the text, um, and which I welcome, of course. We, we, we want that, that level of analysis. And I don't know how it will be disputable that this is a proto-alphabetic script that dates older than anything found in Israel. That I don't understand how somebody could build. Now, they could d- argue, well, that's not really a resh, it's a vav or something like that. That's that's fine because some of the letters are very clear. Some of them are not so clear as 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 it goes on inscriptions. But um, yeah, we expect a healthy exchange of ideas. <laughs> that's putting it very mildly, I would assume. <laughs> okay, talking a little bit more about the proto-alphabetic script, there are other examples from elsewhere. What is the comparison being based upon? So those are the parallels. So for each letter, we have uh, the parallels that have been found at other sites um, of this proto-alphabetic script. Or some would call it proto-Sinaitic script, some proto-Canaanite script, but I'm just using a more generic term, proto-alphabetic. For example, Sinai 375a, uh, the Serebet el-Havim in the, the turquoise mines in the Sinai, you have this type of script that, that appears that is dated to the late Bronze Age. So that would be an example of a parallel, yeah. So you feel secure that this is the same era, uh, 100%? Well, we've, um, yes, we've tried to, in English, dot every I, cross every T. I guess in Hebrew, I could say dot every, I don't know, oxet or something. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, fantastic. Uh, I'm. I just want to say to you, let the games begin because I know it's going to cause such an uproar that we'll be hearing about this in the news at least, and if not in academic circles for for quite a while. So, really, thank you for spending the time with me, and, and good luck. Thank you, Amanda. Appreciate you having me. Thanks so much for listening to Times Will Tell from the Times of Israel, and thanks to our producer Gilad Brownstein. Please subscribe wherever you find your podcast and check out our daily briefing news show every Sunday through Thursday. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. Until next week. Shalom. Shalom.